Hello, welcome to the RCC Point of View podcast, brought to you by the Scottish Residential Workers Online Forum. In the second episode, we pick up on the conversation with the academic Dr Ian Milligan. In this episode, Ian talks about his favourite piece of academic work, physical restraint and Scottish culture. Ian also provides some examples that may resonate with those in direct practice. And I suppose, in terms of your career, Ian, what, what are you most proud of in terms of any sort of research or you know, anything that you've contributed to that's kind of, you know, essentially came through the other end and made an impact? Is there anything you could kind of highlight and say, well, that's the battle of that I'm really, I remember and I'm most proud of? Oh, that's a good question, Joe. I don't, I've not got a ready answer to that. <laughs> okay. um, um, I mean, I talk about what I'm interested in. I mean, it's, it's a kind of personal thing you, uh-huh. you bring. And when you're in academic life, you, you, you sometimes are able to choose one area. But I was part of this census and the predecessor cert where we had to respond to different issues around practice. Uh-huh. So, I mean, I... I got involved in chairing a group that was trying to give better advice on uh, restraint issues, really looked into that, and we wrote some guidance on it. Now, it wasn't really earth-shattering, but it was trying to say there's a need for some Uh restraint, but how do we get it so it's much less used? Now, I'm not saying I'm proud of that, but it was, I think, engaging in the real issues. Uh Um, And I suppose for me... um, the thing I'm happiest to have seen happening was oh. the care leaving work and, and sort of my engagement with the um, with who cares and and with the care experience voice uh-huh. uh, the voices of a young people. I've got lots of uh, friends who've been in care now, and you know so the whole changing culture of Scotland uh, since the the big campaign around extending the age of leaving care, but who cares and others advocated for the change in the law in 2014. I mean, yeah. that's a huge thing. Yeah, and uh, although the, the implementation is weak, you know, and we're still hearing stories about kids being pushed out and told, oh, we need your bed. Tell yeah. a bloody 16-year-old right. or 17-year-old, we need your bed. I yeah. mean, that's a disgrace. Now, I don't want to blame individuals, but how have we got a social work system that is in such dire straits that it tells young people at the age of 16 or 17, we need your bed. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. a terrible situation to be in. So we're still pushing kids out too young. And and you asked me what, what I've done. So I, I don't think anything I've written or you know researched has you know been that um, uh-huh. you know I, I can't say I'm very proud of it or I think uh, it's been but- particularly significant. But what, what I see happening, and so most recently I'm involved in was the, the steering group for the Who Cares History Month, the, the right. Care Experienced History Month. Yeah. And I've been so happy to be part of that. that and that, right. you know, that's just a beginning project. We're hoping it will last for a few years and annually yeah. a Care Experienced History Month. So I'm really uh, pleased to be part of, of that and, and where my, my history background and my, my interest in the history uh-huh. of care has played a part in helping people including some of the care experienced people in that group, say, uh-huh. oh, we need to really understand all this. So yeah, I'm really that, pleased to be invited or to, to have got a place on that steering group. That's, that's great. And, and just for a personal note, I, I quite like to you know back when I started doing the Masters, 
some of the the course uh, kind of content caused you to get, or, or encouraged you to kind of reflect on you know what the sector and some of the articles we got presented. But it was one or two were what yours and Mark Smiths, and when there was one of them, it was residential childcare is not social work. Um, um, was that yourself that had written that? Um, yes, it was. And there was, a, and there was another one. Residential childcare is still not social work. I'm not sure if it was yourself that wrote that one as well, but it was they two really, you know, shone a light on, you know, residential and secure care. Uh, about you know that you know what 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 is it you know and and what are the components required to actually do it well. And for me, that was massive. You know, um, so that I, well, I thank, listen, you, for thank that. you for that, Joe. Because actually, you, you know, you're right to pick that one up for me because I re I realised. That, I was very proud of that residential childcare is, is not social work because uh -huh. it was really my first academically published article. All right. And I, I, I reread it a, wee, a few years ago and thought, oh dear, this is so badly written. <laughs> and I, you know, my, 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 my English doesn't flow very well. I write in terribly long sentences. It's, it's, <laughs> it's not great. But on the other hand, I do know that it was important for some people who, who got referred to it. And I know that the master's course at Strathclyde has used it as a, a core text. So I actually yes. am glad to be reminded of that, Joel. I'll take that one well, because I, I believe that it was, a, I mean, I knew I was be saying something that some people would find shocking, but I was just, I was so steeped in residential practice and the wide, I was learning about the wider world uh -huh. and the, the issues. And I thought, wait a minute, in the rest of the world, we don't we don't even locate residential care within social work. It's seen as a separate yeah. profession, the social yeah. pedagogy, which is a yeah. wider profession. Again, it's not just a social a residential care by any means. Yeah, but, that's uh, right. you know. So we'll not start that discussion. But no, I know, I know. It's really I really appreciate uh, you saying that, and and I you're right. I am proud of that, even though I look back <laughs> to my younger self and say. Oh, uh, that's no. not great writing, but no, I think uh, the messages are important. No, that, that's actually interesting. Uh, and, you know, you, you spoke about physical restraint there, and that's something that's really kind of on the agenda, and it yeah. has been for a number of years, and, and you know, the, the care review speaks about it, uh, and there's an aspiration that Scotland does not restrain its children. You know, I suppose the first thing is, do you agree with that? Um, well, <clears throat> people are likely to hear me saying uh, what the Irish say, speaking out of both sides of my mouth. So uh, <laughs> there's a, a yes but or a no but. Uh, uh -huh. And I'm afraid it, it, it can't get a short answer, Joe, so they might, we might run out of time on this. But right. um, I would very much like to be in a, a, in a country and in residential services where it is never used yeah or even modify that slightly where it's hardly ever used yeah. so i definitely think you know we can work on that it requires intensive work with teams to create a culture um in which people have got so many options they're so smart they're so tuned to young uh -huh. people they're so tuned to themselves their own triggers um i mean i i'm I know that often people are, who are confident to face down children in a kind way when when somebody wants to punch somebody or punch a wall or throw something at somebody. Um, yeah. I, I've been there and I, I get scared. I'm not one of those tough guys. I never have been. 
Uh, I never won, I, you can't avoid being in fights and if you grew up in Scottish education, sadly it's Scottish schools. Uh, I kept out of nearly every fight where anybody wanted to pick one with me, tried uh -huh. to use my wits to get out. I didn't always get out of it, so I got punched a couple of times, but I never landed a punch and I, I rarely ever even attempted to. So it's, it's an issue that scares me, you know, uh -huh. at gut level. But yeah. and, and in residential care, I was punched a couple of times. Um, yeah. So uh, when a situation is escalating, I, I was not confident about how to handle it. Uh, uh -huh. So, you know, it's a difficult issue. And again, we've got to think about residential care is not in a vacuum. So in society, what's happening in society? You know, what's the uh -huh. level of interpersonal aggression? What's the level of domestic violence? What's the level of fighting amongst youth, males uh -huh. only? But not just males, girls as well. And yeah. we've got issues in our culture. I mean, we've got a kind of honour culture in Scotland. Others uh -huh. have written about this. But um, I think it was Susan Batchelor, I can't remember, uh, 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 a researcher on criminal justice with young women. And she wrote a report based on lived experience, again, interviewing young women in Corton Vale at that time, women's prison. And her report title was Better a Sore Face than a red face. Uh-huh, okay. And if you unpack that, that was what somebody said to her. If somebody draws you a look, if somebody embarrasses you by drawing you a look, you've got to challenge them. Who are yeah. you looking at? Actually, Don't you look at me like that and think you're something. So there's an honour thing among Scottish people. We don't like yeah. being, uh, being disrespected. And sadly, in our culture, many parts of our culture, uh, there's a willingness to raise your hand, fists up, and, and to fight back. So yeah. we've got a level of regression in society. Can we create units that can immediately diffuse that, stop that ever happening? Well, I think we can do better, but it's, yeah. it's complicated. And every time we've looked at it, people have said, well, with your current situation, if you literally mean us, we're not to do it, that will mean calling the police more often. Is that yeah. what you want us to do? And I definitely don't want that to be happening. Yeah. So it's about changing culture, skilling people. And, you know, we'd, we'd have to really work even harder to find the right people. And I think that might be the despair behind the future of residential care that, well, maybe we can't find the right people who are skilled enough, who've got great values, great heart for children, who really love children, but are skilled uh, youth workers and uh, skilled yeah. uh, mental health nurses and skilled uh, homemakers and, you know, all the different things that are required to bring up children. And yeah. uh, so it, it needs skill, but it's the culture. And I think you, you, can, you can create cultures. And some people have claimed that they've done uh, uh, non-restraint non cultures have been effective, but nearly always it's where they have control over admissions. There are okay, two people yeah, I know, and they're both brilliant people uh -huh. uh, who, who say, well, I actually did run a non-restraint uh, non unit. One guy, Brian, uh, ran it for NCH down in Irvine. I don't know if it's still there. It was called a, an intensive support unit. And oh, he just said, yeah. we're not going to restrain people. Now, yeah. they had a huge amount of damage. And they yeah. just repaired and repainted until the kids got the message that we're not going to restrain you. And, yeah. you know, it, it took his strong, strong leadership to say, we're not doing it. And uh -huh. you've got to be in there and you've got to talk to kids when they're angry and you've got to 
dodge fists every now and again, but we are not yep. going to restrain you. Yeah. And you know that that you know it can be done, but uh -huh. you know again often when there's control over admissions and a, a really really strong leader who who puts them who doesn't go off shift. You know when things are getting bad, uh, if it happens at half seven at night or at half ten at night, it's starting to blow off. Whatever yep. we say, then they're the people that come into work. Uh huh. Yeah. You know, they don't yep. go off shift when things are getting difficult. So you also need a level of dedication. Now, the other thing, again, we've got to look at foster care because foster care is taking so many kids and foster uh -huh. carers never do restraint, I believe. Um, uh -huh. But, you know, we get a lot of foster placement breakdown. If things go bad, kids get punted. Yeah. And that's terrible for kids. Uh -huh. So, you know, we, we, we really need, to, if we could, Again, foster care is kind of highly protected, but if we could get some research done in foster care and yeah. really get in amongst it and, and yeah. find out, you know, what are the incidents leading up to breakdown? How do the, the, the great, I mean, there's some fantastic foster carers. They're so skilled. They're so brilliant. Uh -huh. Such big hearts and such smart minds that yeah. they can handle really difficult situations. So let's get in amongst it. Let's find out what's going well in, in foster care as well uh -huh. as it doesn't go so well. So to, to, to really dig into uh, this issue, uh, we need to look, uh, and nobody should be, should be defensive about it, we should say, well, can other folks show us how this we can get rid of this? How can we try ourselves to get rid of it? Uh -huh. And that means senior management from the top saying, yeah, I'm going to back you up. Let's start moving this unit towards non-restraint. It's already yeah. really happens. Let's say it's never going to happen. And let's uh -huh. own it. So maybe a, a local authority has got a few children's homes. Let's say, let's find somebody who's willing. Let's have a unit manager says, listen, I want to move towards non-restraint. Let's have uh -huh. pilots. Let's practice. Let's learn. Yeah. And they say, let's look at foster care in depth um, you uh -huh. know, and, and all the rest of it. Let's look at other places. So we, we I think it's, it's very, very important work that we keep trying to reduce it. Now, I think everyone accepts, and I, even I think that the, the language of the promise is saying, that's our aspiration. That's got to be the direction of travel. Yes. Um, but can we, in some way, just do a magic wand and say, the policy of this organization, henceforth from the 1st of January next year, there will uh -huh. be no restraint? I, I have my doubt if that would be yeah. a wise thing to do. That's, no, listen, that's fair. I think that you've articulated that really well, and I think that will probably resonate you know, in, 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 in practice. You know, people who are in direct practice will be saying, yeah, you know, it sounds, it's a really, you know, important aspiration, but possibly the restraint reduction may well be the more logical approach initially. Uh, so, you know, I suppose my final question, it's that bit about, you know, you know, sh you know, should it be banned? Should restraint be banned? And uh, you've answered it, you know, anyway. But it's a kind of, it could be a yes or no quick answer. Um, but well, I think I have answered it, Joe. Yes, I think that unless you're beginning to show evidence in some parts of the system that they are able to handle children in situations that are seen as very difficult, uh -huh. then I don't think it can be banned. And I will add another thing. Uh -huh. 
You see, there's different groups here of children. We're thinking often about the most challenging, physically challenging people. Yes. But the part of the issue is the definition of restraint. So oh. let me give you a story which may not be current. I hope it's not current, but five, ten years ago, we got a, a request to help an organisation work with children with disabilities, including children on the autism spectrum. Uh-huh. And they said, look, we've got this youngster who's very difficult to manage and we're, we're, we're trying to restrain him, but he, he hates it. He's on autistic spectrum. He absolutely hates being touched. Uh-huh. But there are certain things he's doing that are really, you know, we can't allow him to do these things. Uh-huh. And previously, when he's got completely agitated, we've sometimes sent him to his room and stood outside the door and said, you're not coming out. But the yeah. care inspector have told us, you're not allowed to do that. That's turning that room into a secure unit. You're not authorised yeah. to do secure care. That, uh-huh. That's trapping a child in the room. That's like locking them in the room, even if you're not physically locking it. You're having the effect of locking it. That uh-huh. is secure care. That's not acceptable. So he said, so we, we, don't, we don't do that anymore because we're told it's completely unacceptable. But uh-huh. restraint's worse because he calms himself down if he's in his own space and he's told he can't storm out the door. He yeah. calms himself down within about half an hour. But we had uh-huh. a restraint last week that went on for four hours and everybody uh-huh. was greeting. The boy was greeting and all the staff who were holding him were greeting. Everybody was greeting. It was a yeah. terrible occasion. So... You've got that on the one hand. You've also got some children, I, I know a case, uh, it was a young child with learning disabilities who was a fire setter. He had, uh-huh. he had a record of setting fires. And sometimes he would gather sticks together and bits of paper and set fires. And he, and he sometimes did it underneath cars. Now, uh-huh. that's just what the kid did. Now, he was uh-huh. only 10 or 11 or 12 or something. And he was receiving specialist therapeutic care, but he was in a children's home. Yeah. And he had a consultant who was helping work on his, his fire setting, as they call it, or fire raising. But uh-huh. the children's home said, look, we're not allowed to lock the door. We're not allowed to lock him in. Sometimes he runs away. And, you know, sometimes we can spot him and follow him. But, you know, there's all issues about staff chasing after kids in the street and grabbing them, you know. And, you know, yeah. <laughs> that's not usually considered good practice, you know. No, he's no. quite young, you know. But... <clears throat> You know, what are we supposed to do? We're told we, we can't restrain him. Yeah. Uh, but he's, he, he, now, he doesn't always succeed in setting things on fire, but he tries, you know. So, like, uh-huh. you know, we don't have uh, the kind of hospitals that we used to have, thank God. You know, uh-huh. disability, long-term disability hospitals or children's long-term disability care. Thank God we don't have that. But again, it yeah. means that in our children's homes, we have children sometimes have very, very special needs. And if we yeah. define restraint in this hugely encompassing way that says uh-huh. even workers are not allowed temporarily to stand in front of the front door and say, no, you're not going out, Johnny. <laughs> you know, no, no, let's go and play football. I don't want to play football. Well, you're not going out, you know. Yeah. If yeah. workers feel they can't say that to a 12-year-old, you are not going out here. Or to a 16-year-old girl or a 15-year-old girl, let's say, who's going out and getting into cars with older men, uh-huh. and you have a pretty good idea what's happening, and she doesn't come back the next day, or she comes back the next day, and she looks dishevelled, she doesn't look happy, uh-huh. but then she wants to go out the next night again. And I mean, this this directly refers to the secure care scenario, but if that child's in a, 
you know, in a crisis situation, you want the staff to be able to wrap their hands around them and stand yeah. in front of the front door and go, yeah. please, darling, don't do this. Yes. My effing road. No, I'm not going to get out your effing road. I'm standing here and I'm going to stop you. I'll go out the window while I'll stand in front of the window. You know, mm-hmm. like how far can staff go to show they love the person and they love them so much they're not going to let them do something that's obviously self-destructive. Yep. So without that being classified as secure care. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's that know, notion of what would any good parent do, you know, in that circumstance. Absolutely. And if you hang on to that and look at the children's rights and the triangular rights even, yeah, the, yeah. One, the one about safety, whereby it kind of supersedes anything. Yeah. And use that as your, you know, your kind of benchmark or your route map to make decisions. Um, but it takes a, a workforce and employees that are and carers that are confident to yeah. make decisions. And yeah. probably for another day, but that's a bit quality for me, it's about training and qualifications, <laughs> but um uh, and values. Uh but what no, do you know something that's been a really interesting conversation? The point of view has come through really strongly about secure care and residential care. Um, really heartening to hear. And I think a lot of people will get a lot out of this, you know, listening to this podcast. And I'm no, really, privileged, really privileged to have you. It's been, you know, Dr. Ian Mulligan has been the first person in the podcast. <laughs> uh, and I'm hoping it will encourage others to take part as well. Um, but again, thank you. Thanks very much, Ian. That, that, that pretty much concludes the, the okay. podcast. Um, unless you, well, um, I've, really, I've enjoyed uh, talking to you. I've oh, really enjoyed that. Some things from the past, and uh, yep. Yep. Uh, it's, uh, I've appreciated what you're doing. This initiative of podcast is great. So, okay. uh, good luck with the rest of the series. Well, folks, that's two podcasts down already. What's your point of view with regard to what Ian had to say? If you would like to take part, do get in touch. And as always, I would really appreciate it if you were able to share this podcast across your networks. Thank you very much. Welcome to the RCC Points of View podcast, brought to you by the Scottish Residential Childcare Workers Online Forum. Each episode you will listen to consists of the narrator interviewing someone with a point of view about residential childcare. For the first series, we take a look at Secure Care, an area of residential childcare that features within the recently published National Care Review and the subsequent publication entitled The Promise. In part one of the first episode, I talked with Dr. Ian Milligan, a retired academic who dedicated his working life to the field of residential childcare. In this episode, Ian looks back at what influenced him during his career. That seen Ian go from being a house parent in a Glasgow children's home during the early 1980s to an internationally recognised academic. Ian charts the history of resident childcare and secure care, the National Childcare Review, and what the promise says about the future of secure care. We also look at Ian's views regarding legislation and reports. I hope you enjoy listening to this podcast as much as I did recording it. And without further ado, please welcome Dr. Ian Milligan.